Hello and welcome to this latest episode of Back to the Bins. We're so glad you could join us. Whether you're a brand new listener or you've been listening from the very beginning, we appreciate your patronage and hope you'll continue coming back each and every week for more back issue goodness. I'm your co-host, Scott Gardner, and it is my privilege to welcome to this show for his very first time, my good buddy, Adam Tebow. Am I pronouncing your name right? You are. It's, it's French, so it's got a bunch of extra letters in it, so it throws people <laughs> off, but that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> Uh, Adam writes the Dispatches from the Arrow Cave blog, a Green Arrow-centric blog, uh, which you can find at the Arrow Cave, all one word, the arrowcave.blogspot.com. Welcome to the show, Adam. Oh, thanks for having me on. Hey, no problem, no problem. It's long overdue, by the way. I've been meaning to have you on for the longest time, and, uh, and here we are. So you, uh, you're putting me on the spot. I'm going first in this one, and... Uh, you know, I like to run down credits on these things, you know, and I, I like to tell people, you know, we're going back to the year so-and-so, and, -so, and mm -hmm. I, I list all these things, you know, who did the cover and who did the art. This one is an oddball comic. Um, we're going back to the year 1985, and that's about all I can tell you about this <laughs> issue. This is called Mickey and Goofy Explore the Universe of Energy. This was... Uh, a comic that was co-published by uh, the Walt Disney uh, World Resort and Exxon Corporation, you know, the, the gas giant oil company, whatever you call oh, okay. it. And there is no indicia in this comic. There are no credits. I couldn't find any artist's initials or signature or anything. So I literally have, like, zero information on this comic. I've looked everywhere, and no one seems to know anything about it. So I'm soliciting listeners. If you know more about this comic than I do, please write in and let me know. I'd, I'd just like to know who wrote it and who drew it. I, I really have no idea. And this type of thing, you know, funny animal con comics are so out of my wheelhouse. You know, I, I really I picked this up simply for the fact that, you know, it's an adventure that takes place in Walt Disney World. To the best of my knowledge, this is the only official Disney comic that takes place in Walt Disney World, which is kind of a strange huh. thing right there in itself, because there are so many official Disney comics that pl take place in Disneyland. You would think that there would be a slew of them that take place in Walt Disney World, and I could very well be wrong on this fact, but like I say, mm -hmm. to the best of my knowledge, this is the only one. So I, I picked it up a while ago. Can't remember what I paid for it, but originally this was a giveaway, and I believe that you could only get it by actually visiting the Universe of Energy, which is in uh, Epcot. In, oh, I must have missed that one. So the cover on this is really cool. You know, it's it's very cartoony, but it's it's a uh, you know we're looking at the pavilion entrance to the Universe of Energy, and there's you know right front and center on it says presented by Exxon. And you, you, there's a monorail in the background. What's really funny is if you actually stood in this position in the park, I'm pretty sure that you'd see Spaceship Earth, which is the, you know, a lot of people call it the golf ball. You know, it's the mm -hmm. giant ball in the background, but that's not in this picture. Um, and there's this kind of creepy looking dinosaur. To be honest, he's got this kind of weird, you know, come over here so I can eat you look on his face. And he's motioning to uh, Mickey and Goofy to step into the pavilion. So anyway, we, you know, we go inside. The story is, is titled Mickey and Goofy Explore the Universe of Energy at Epcot Center. And they're looking at it, and Mickey just says, hey, this looks like a, a fun place. You know, let's go in. And Goofy makes this lame crack about, you know, he's got plenty of energy. He had a good breakfast. And, <laughs> and then Mickey goes into kind of, uh, he's almost like narrator, host, 
expert on energy in this, and and he basically leads us through, you know, a, a history of energy, how energy is formed, you know, with, uh, you know, fossil fuels and nuclear energy and coal and everything like that. Goofy, who's never been my favorite character, he makes a lot of, you know, really lame puns and lame jokes, but it's all in good fun. It's really interesting. I'm not going to really give you a blow by blow because it's, you know, it's kind of dry, but I I got a real kick out of it because I noticed this with the, the couple of Disneyland comics I ever read do a very similar thing, which is they basically take the concept you know, like, like in this one, for example, it takes the concept of the universe of energy and it starts out kind of similar to what it is when you go into the pavilion. But as soon as they're actually on the ride vehicle, then it completely changes to where Mickey and Goofy are actually walking through the attraction. They actually get on a helicopter, uh, rather a plane and fly to Alaska to see the pipeline they get in a helicopter and they go out to sea to see like an oil rig and stuff like that. So the Disneyland comics that I've, I've read, you know, from back in the day, they do something very similar. You know, it would be something like, you know, Mickey goes to Tomorrowland and he'd walk in. And at the beginning of the story, it might kind of vaguely resemble what Tomorrowland looked like. But then he might take a rocket and actually go to the moon and have an adventure on the moon. You know, so stuff like that. So... It was really fast and loose with with what you know the park going experience was really like, and this is very much in that same spirit. But uh, you know the art was really good. It's 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 simple, you know, kitty cartoon funny animal art, but it's you know it's very serviceable. And uh, I, I just I got a real kick out of it. This is uh, you know like I say, this is something that's just really not in my wheelhouse. I'm not familiar with with this type of thing. I've only ever read a few Disney comics in my whole life. But uh I, I just I thought it was interesting, picked it up and uh and finally just now got around to reading it and uh it's uh it's different. And that's about all I've really got on this particular issue. Well, that sounds neat. I've never uh, I've never read any of the uh, Disney comics myself either. So, and I never I didn't see any when I was at Disney World. So I I, I don't ever I don't know anything about them either. Yeah, I I, uh, I picked this. up. I'm pretty sure I got this off eBay. I could be wrong, but I think that's where I got it. But uh, yeah, I, I wish they would do more stuff like this. You know, uh, not too very long ago. You know, th- there was a big deal with with giveaway comics. You know, a lot of mm-hmm. gas stations used to give away giveaway comics. I know that the, there's quite the little collector's niche of, um, if you remember, Big Boy restaurants. Big Boy actually mm-hmm. has some sort of record in comics where, where it's like one of the very longest running series of comic books ever or some, something huh. like that. I used to know the, the exact fact on that and now I forget but you know it's something you wouldn't think about is big boy comics but yeah it ran for years and years and years and you know a lot of people really collect that and I guess they're highly sought after because they were just kind of a disposable thing you know you'd get it for free with your kid meal or whatever and mm-hmm. most of them probably wound up in the trash so yeah I remember uh a long time ago, I got uh, like Spider-Man's fight, fights illiteracy or something. Yeah. That they were giving away. <laughs> yep, I've got a. Uh, 
what is it? Captain America fights the asthma monster or something. <laughs> like, I love giveaway comics, man, because most of them are completely stupid like that. But they're fun, you know. They they yeah. were fun, and they're they're trying to teach kids, you know, whatever. And then there's the famous uh, that Spider-Man Power Pack one that's uh, teaching kids about uh, uh, what do you call it? Like uh, I want to say child molestation. That's not quite right, but you know, like sexual abuse and stuff like that. I remember that was actually published like in our local newspaper, huh? As well as that, there's you know there's a comic of it as well, but. I yeah, never heard of that one. Yeah, I, I love stuff like that. I love giveaway comics. I like the the weird and unusual, and this is uh, this is definitely one of the stranger ones. <laughs> well, and I, and I always feel bad when stuff like that goes out without credits because you know somebody worked really hard on that, and mm-hmm. no one's ever going to know that they that they did it because they didn't bother to put credits on it. Yeah, I know. I I, I wonder about that, and I, and it seems that this kind of thing, especially like these these funny animal type comics. Are, are the worst offenders with that. You know, the stuff that's aimed straight at the kids is really the ones I always notice that never seem to credit anybody. And that that's a shame to kind of labor in obscurity, you know, and, and not be, you know, not go down in history for, you know, well, I did, you know, 500 issues of, you know, Donald Duck or something. Maybe that's a bad example. People know about who did <laughs> yeah. Donald Duck, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. So what do you got, man? All right, well, I have uh, the Secret Society of Supervillains, number 11. Uh, this takes us back to, let's see, December 1977. So this comic is uh, slightly older than I am. Rub it in, rub it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the title is The uh, Changing of the Guard. Uh, it's written by Jerry Conway. Uh, penciler is Mike Vosberg, which isn't somebody I've been, I'm familiar with. Of course, I, I'm not. I'm not real big on creators, so it's not something that I should have been surprised by. Uh, Joe Orlando uh, was the inker, and the cover it doesn't have credits for, so I'm just going to assume uh, that it was Mike Vosberg again. And uh, I, I, I love the cover because it was back in the day uh, when people still talked on comic book covers, mm-hmm. and it's got uh, Captain Comet smashing through the wall, and uh, it's got. Gorilla Grodd, you know, pointing and saying, Captain Comic dares to attack us again, but this time our new leader will completely destroy him. And of course you got the leaders all in a cloak so you can't see who he is. Which is kind of misleading because Captain Comet never actually fights a secret society in this issue. But (laughs) (laughs) Ah, well. But it starts off, uh, you know, the the basic premise of the secret society of supervillains is is it's about this group of villains. It's not really about... Uh, the heroes that they're fighting, although Captain Comet is in it quite a bit. Uh, it's just kind of, you know, the politicking and the crimes that they commit and all this, you know, all that goes into a group of supervillains staying together. So that, that's one of the reasons I like it, because it's not something you see a lot in uh, in comic books. And so this is, uh, at this point, um, the leadership of the Secret Society is shifting. It was <laughs> led by the, the Funky Flashman, which is... <laughs> One of those characters that could have only existed in the seventies. Uh, according according to legend, he's actually based on Stan. Stan. It wouldn't Lee. surprise me. They do look a little bit alike. Well, yeah. at least back uh, what what Stanley would have looked like in nineteen seventy seven anyway. <laughs> but yeah, he's got the 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 porn mustache and the crazy hair and the the goofy suit. It's great. But you know, like I said, the the guard is changing. Um, the story starts off. With was it Plant Master and Star Sapphire have just stolen some chemicals uh, for Plant Master's experiments, and they come back 
and the that, then it switches to like this. It switches perspective a, a lot. It switches between Star Sapphire and Plant Master, the Wizard, who is uh, going to become important later on, and Captain Comet, who doesn't actually fight anybody in this issue. He actually goes on a date. That's the that's the big story. <laughs> Is that uh, he goes on a date and it's going to hell in a handbasket, and he's going on dates. <laughs> yeah, he's going. He's going to a French restaurant with a with a pretty lady. That's he can't be bothered to. Uh... See, that would be me if I was a superhero. I'd just be using you know the 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 you know the the washboard abs and all that and the cool costume to get laid instead of you know defending the world and yeah, defending the world just... is hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. Um. But the wizard is actually an Earth 2 character, and uh, apparently the past few issues uh, I learned from the letter column have focused on him losing his powers. Because he's on Earth 1 now, he's lost the connection to, uh, to Earth 2 that gives him his powers, and so they're, they're fading away. And so he's been manipulating behind the scenes the, not only the secret society but the police to gather these artifacts, the, uh, the four sorcerer's treasures – Mm. Uh, all in one place, so that he can then seize them and gain his power back. And he actually ends up doing that. The police, for some reason, put them all in a box and bring them into the interrogation room and put them down in front of him. <laughs> I don't know. They're called the Sorcerer's Treasures. They put them down in front of a guy named the Wizard. It just seems like something you shouldn't do. <laughs> but he grabs them, you know, he becomes this uber-powerful wizard, and he escapes... Meanwhile, Captain Comet is making out with his girlfriend here. Then uh, he, the wizard comes in, takes over the secret society. You know, he beats up a couple people who try to challenge him, and then the issue ends. He teleport. Well, no, I'm sorry. First off, first off, he teleports the Flunky Flashman all the way across the uh, the, the country. Like th- they start out in, in uh, Gotham City, and now he teleports him to San Francisco and leaves him there. And then that's it. That the, the issue ends. It's just uh, it's 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 strange the way that uh, you know there there actually is a superhero in here, but the, but he doesn't actually do anything superheroic throughout the entire issue. You know, all the, all this is going on, and he's just off having dinner with some woman. Well, if memory serves, wasn't that almost par for the course for this series with with Captain Comet? To where I mean, don't get me wrong, I like Captain Comet. Yeah. I think he's a great character, but now I've got. I've got 15 issues of this series, you know, 1 through 15, and I don't know if that's the complete series or not, but according, I was looking this up while you were talking, and according to my records, I've only made it through, like, the first 10 anyway, Uh and that must have been a long time ago, because I've only got, like, the vaguest of memories of this, but I liked the concept of this. I thought it was a really cool series and all, and I really liked Captain Comet, but from what I've read of this, of I don't know, I think it was Back Issue Magazine or something did an article on this, and Captain Captain Comet was almost an afterthought as they because this was such a novel idea and a novel concept of a of a group of supervillains being the you know who was carrying the book, they they felt they needed to throw in a superhero just to kind of balance it out and not make it too wild a concept for the kiddies mm-hmm. or whatever. But then Captain Comet didn't really do anything. <laughs> you know, he was in there to, to fill that, that need to have a hero in the book, but then he just did stuff like you say, like went on dates and stuff. Yeah, the, like really the, all he do, the, the book is more about him coming back to Earth after having been gone since the Silver Age, or since, yeah, I think his last appearance was in the mid-50s. Mm-hmm. And they actually 
part of the plot is that he left Earth for 20 years and now he's back. So the, the his absence from publishing is is explained in that he was off somewhere else for uh, for all those 20 years that they were making comics without him in it and now he's back. And this sort of him getting used to 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 Earth again and reconnecting with people obviously since he's going uh, going out on a date. Uh, and I just thought that was kind of a cool concept that you know he was he wasn't in comics for twenty years because he was literally gone. He just wasn't around. Right. He was busy. <laughs> I'm looking here at the cover image and I don't see anything on it as far as a signature or anything. But yeah, I'm, my guess would be I don't know about the inker, but my guess would be that the artist on that might actually be Rich Buckler, who seems to have done the majority of the covers in here, but it, it may not be because the issue prior, issue 10, I don't know, it really doesn't look like Rich Buckler to me at all. It actually looks kind of like maybe Joe Staten or something. So I don't know. It, it's interesting, but it, it's a great cover, though. I really yeah, like I it. Do, I really busting like busting through the wall. I always like those kind of covers anyway, those dynamic, you know, busting through the wall. Ah, I got you with your <laughs> hand in the cookie jar kind of kind of covers are great. And it, and it just goes to show you that superheroes are totally incapable of using the door. <laughs> like, he could have just opened the door. Maybe this is just some office building that, that they happen to be gathering in. Now he's blown a hole in the door, and the owner is going to be mad at him. Now, are you working your way through this whole series? Uh, I only have issues 11 and 13 at the moment. Oh, um, okay. You, I, in fact, I might have been with you when I got this, because it was at one of those flea markets that I picked this oh, up. Oh, okay. And, you know, I saw it, and you know, I remember that that was an interesting concept that I wanted to look into, um, and I came across a couple issues of it. So that's the only, that, those are the only two I have at the moment. Uh, when I start buying comics again, I'll try to, be, try to fill in those holes. Well, it's funny you mentioned 13, because I, I was just thinking, man, I've got to not only go back and reread, you know, the first 10 that I've already read, but I've, I've got to really, one of these days, bump this up on my list of, you know, stuff to finish the series, because I'm looking at the cover to the 13, and I'm like... Oh, this just looks awesome because it's got uh, the crime syndicate, you know, who, who are like the evil Justice League from Earth 3 busting out and coming right at uh, Captain Comet on the cover. And I, I'm a sucker for, you know, the, the crime syndicate stories. I, I love, you know, for for the pre-crisis crime syndicate, you yeah. know, the, the evil Justice League kind of thing. I, I always got a kick out of those stories. Some of my favorite uh, pre-crisis trappings. So yeah, I've definitely got to pick this up and and look at it again because I remember the art being. I don't remember who the regular, if there even was a regular artist, and that might might have been part of the problem with this series. Is I don't know, maybe I'm thinking of the wrong series, but it seems like this might have been another one of those rotating team kind yeah. of things where you know they just couldn't keep a steady artist. I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm not doing it justice. Maybe I'm completely wrong, but. I don't know. It, it was definitely. It was. I think the problem with this series, if you could say it had a problem and why it didn't last very long, I think it was just way ahead of its time. Yeah. Because I, I look at books that are out today, like Secret Six. I don't know if you read that book, but God, that's I don't. But I've heard it's awesome. Yeah, it is, and it really. I think it owes back to two series, which is this and um, um, Suicide, Suicide Squad. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, both are both are fantastic series. So yeah, good good choice, man. Yeah, I was I was I was flipping through because uh, I have still have tons of those books that we got at the flea markets that I haven't got a chance to read yet. So I was like, I have these out. I might as well I'll flip through and pick a pick a good one and, uh, and talk about it. There you go. That's that's the nature of the show right there. We have some feedback to go over in this episode. 
I got a nice letter quite a while ago, and I apologize it's taken me so long to get to it. Um, this was feedback for Back to the Bins number 17. This is from Jeff Morecki. I hope I'm pronouncing that name right. Says, hi, thanks for the show. You got me thinking about The Night of the Stalker, Detective Comics number 439. I'm pretty sure the story was retold in Batman Black and White from 1996 or in Darwin Cook's solo comic from 2005. I remember reading about Detective Comics 439 in a trade paperback introduction where it was specifically stated that the collected story was an homage or retelling of that famous story. Which issue of Batman Gotham Knights were we referring to in your previous podcast? I think you're probably talking about um, number 24, Gotham Knights number 24. That was the issue I actually reviewed in that story. That's the one where uh, Batman was kind of, kind of having like a split personality war with himself about uh, owning a gun. But I also referred back to the issue that got me interested in reading Gotham Knights in the first place that I just, you know by dumb luck stumbled into that was number 18 that was the uh the story of batman just kind of knocking around in wayne manor and in the bat cave on a on a lonely night when nothing was really happening that's a great great story by the way jeff continues i know i've read over 10,000 comic books i have 10,678 catalog comics and a few years ago i sold a few long boxes it's funny, I can remember creators and issue numbers more than I can remember story specifics. I, I, this is a callback to something I had said in a previous episode about how I just went over the uh, the 10,000 comic mark in my, you know, read and cataloged portion of my collection. I know I've probably read well over 10,000 books, you know, well before I actually hit that number, but that was, you know ones that I know for sure because I was actually keeping track of them but you know when you factor in you know comics I had as a kid that I didn't track and you know stuff I've read out on the internet or whatever then yeah I'm sure that number is much much higher but yeah I feel you as far as being able to remember like story specifics yeah it, the stuff gets very blurry after a while although I still have a pretty good number a uh, pretty good memory for numbers you know issue numbers and issues where things you know certain story points happen it's just remembering the the details and the minutia starts to get lost but uh thank you very much for that feedback jeff and again sorry it took me so long to get to it thank you so much for listening and i hope you'll join me right back here next week when who knows what mystery guest host will be popping by you can contact back to the bins to leave feedback comments questions and criticisms for the show via email at back to the bins at gmail.com or by visiting the Two True Freaks section of thecomicforums.com. We are now accepting requests for guest host spots on the show, so if you'd like to join me in an episode, let me know. Also, please be sure to check out the home website for Back to the Bins at www.twotruefreaks.libsyn.com. Back to the Bins is a proud member of both the League of Comic Book Podcasts, which you can find at comicbooknoise.com league, and also the Comics Podcast Network, which you may find at comicspodcast.com. Take a moment to drop by their respective sites and support their other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and I'll see you next week.